Edwards Life Sciences would like to express our gratitude for all those on the front lines of responding to this fluid situation with COVID-19. We appreciate the strong leadership and dedication of healthcare providers to patients around the world, and we express our care and concern for you during this challenging time. You're listening to Rock's Heart Radio. This month, Roxana Moran speaks with Garima Sherma about how to stop the daily aggressions that undermine cardiologists' well-being. It's Roxana Moran on Rock's Heart Radio from Mount Sinai in New York and Cardiovascular Research Foundation. I am so glad uh, with my incredible guest um, today, Dr. Garma Sharma, who is Director of Cardioobstetrics and Associate Director of Prevention at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine in Baltimore, Maryland. Welcome, Dr. Sharma. It's wonderful to have you, especially on this important topic that maybe many people would refrain even talking about, but we wanted to make it the topic of our conversation today. And it's about hostile work environment and discrimination and harassment in the workplace. I know that you are a primary author of an important paper coming out, and I thought it would be important for us to have a discussion around it. What is it? What is a hostile work environment? I mean, I think that word just sounds so horrible, and it might make people really cringe to think that my work environment is hostile. And so what's the threshold for that and what is it and how do you describe it? Yeah, no, thank you for having me, Roxana. I mean, you're, I'm a huge admirer of your work and this is uh, an amazing platform to talk about this very important problem, uh, which is very pervasive and prevalent in cardiology. And I'd like to remind the audience that Dr. Maran is actually a co-author on that paper as well in the Journal of American College of Cardiology. So uh, very briefly, uh, hostility, you know, or toxicity at workplace, you, you can't really adequately define it, but it's a series of mistreatments, uh, whether it's discrimination based on age and gender and sexual orientation or um, race and ethnicity, or it is harassment, which can be sexual harassment, which is very overt um, sexual harassment to sexual advances, uh, to coercion, and or emotional harassment, which is often a series of microaggressions and microinvalidations and microassaults and verbal abuse, um, which is, in my mind, more difficult to quantify and perhaps even report. But it's a pervasive culture of mistreatment and hostility, which is defined by these various uh, different behaviors ranging from discrimination to workplace harassment. Yeah, I mean it's daunting when you're when you're putting it all together, but I you know, I think there are some of these things that of course are very sort of you can imagine, you know, sexual advances or being talked down to or someone um, you know, speaking in a horrible language to you or shouting at you or physically abusing you. That's a of course it's it's very open. I think the part that's sort of that gray line that a lot of us kind of endure as especially as women and this doesn't have to be just for women i think there are males who feel this way that and uh, many of you know as you said race sexual orientation etc and i think it's a very very um pervasive uh situation and i think it's that gray line where you really don't know can you hang your hat on this is this something that you can report 
there are no Title IX's for this, um, but it's a constant sort of, you know, hearing it and picking it up and constantly, and where it makes you feel small and insignificant and difficult to actually say what exactly was the action. So what do you, what are you trying to say in this paper? How do you, how do you define it or, or quantify it and then say, whoa, it's, it's time to stop this? Yeah, and, 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 that, and that actually is really going down to the crux of what we're trying to get at. We're trying to get at a, a, a constant feeling of uh, mistreatment, whether it is overt harassment and discrimination to more cohort um, experience um, that you get of micro-invalidation. Those are, in my mind, very difficult to quantify because they're very pervasive. Sometimes they're very subtle and unidentified until after the fact. And you know, I, I, when, I, when I started thinking about all of this, I, I often reflected on what makes the culture of a workplace and um, come to the conclusion that it's not the behaviors that are punished. Um, you know, it's very easy to punish very overt, egregious behavior. But the culture of a place, uh, Dr. Moran, is really defined by the culture, by the behaviors that go unpunished, um, that go unrecognized, condoned by inaction, which um, makes it more pervasive and, and rampant um, in, in, in the way. And I think that, you know, from the perspective of what can institutions do and what can societies do. Um, I think, yes, zero tolerance policy to the most egregious behavior is very, yes, that, that is a given, right? right? Yeah. But, but what do you do with these other things that happen on a daily basis, as you point out, that makes you feel small on a daily basis and threatened and invalidated on a daily basis? I think there has to be an institutional alliance such that they recognize this, they measure it, they ask for it, and they come up with their own metrics of how they're, you know, how, how they're judging their workplace environment, which I think needs to be um, implemented um, on a yearly basis with, with where folks work. Now, you did a survey, right? Like you guys actually quantified this, and can you tell us what you found? Yeah, so I mean, through the auspices of the Women in Cardiology Leadership Council, as well as the ACC Diversity and uh, Inclusion Task Force, uh, we did a 50 item worldwide survey. And I think the, the benefit of this is that we were able to reach very deep into um, membership and non-membership through the ACC and expand the survey to outside of the United States into areas that had never had any information on this kind of hostility at all. I mean, we have information on countries in Asia and the Middle East and, you know, South America and uh, Oceania and Eastern Europe where, you know, we've looked at quantifying discrimination, types of discrimination, who did they get discriminated by, um, professional um, workplace environment, whether it affected their workplace activities and then quantified types of sexual harassment, types of emotional harassment. Um, and what we found is that discrimination is largely very similar across the globe. Um, and no country 
or area is immune, 44% of the workforce had experienced some sort of gender, race, ethnicity, orientation-based discrimination at some point. Sexual harassment was more commonly seen in women and less in men, uh, but still present. And I think what we had sought to find also was the impact of emotional harassment. And we found that is much more rampant and more pervasive than sexual harassment and often really overlooked. Yeah, the emotional harassment is what kind of got me. Um, and it's, it's hard to quantify that, but it seemed to be sort of across the board quite high, especially in some of these other countries. Also, in, I mean, in the US, the highest uh, discrimination, I think, was where, what, what you found is the highest level of discrimination, still emotional harassment, but a lot of emotional harassment in some of these other countries, like in Africa or Oceania or um, in Europe. I mean, I did see that. And, and it is just an incredible finding. Your central figure shows that really, really beautifully. And I think that, you know, many people kind of talk about this emotional um, harassment, which I think is part of like, probably plays a huge part in the hostile work environment, because if it's small, what you call microaggressions, and it just, it may be small in that one encounter, but if you have multiple encounters with these small microaggressions and, you know, and um, it, it adds up and each time it kind of breaks away at your, at your, at anything that you kind of your confidence and, and everything else. And if you're a weak person, it really does make you feel like you're kind of hopeless. And it, it just really, uh, and, I, and I wonder how much of this is related. And I wonder if this is what you and Dr. Lakshmi Mehta will do because Dr. Mehta is very, very involved in physician well-being. And you wonder that correlation has to be really right on top of that. And, you know, understanding that this leads to depression, anxiety, um, unhappiness, and everything else that we're observing now in cardiology. What's the, what's the way out of this? You said maybe institutional policies, but I'm thinking more like people need to, the way um, there, is, there are these videos on unconscious bias, there are videos or um, you know, Title IX on what, was, what you might think is not sexual harassment, that it actually is. And maybe there needs to be that kind of sort of actors showing some of these microaggressions and saying, we're against this, this is how it needs to be. And if you hear that, see that, whatever, you could report it. But it is really hard to get your arms around that, that part, the emotional, the emotional part that then adds into a very, very difficult workplace. Yeah, I think I, that's, that's probably much more common than what we believe is happening. Yes, yes and it's often overlooked and underreported. And um, I totally agree with you where you said, you know, small daily microaggressions chipping at your confidence. It's this constant feeling of feeling undervalued and, you know, devaluing somebody based on invalidating them whether yeah. invalidating what they say, what they do, what they, you know, what they write. Um, and um, I think coming back to uh, the correlation of hostility and mental illness or psychological distress, um, you know, there is data from, from this as well, which was currently unpublished, uh, which will show uh, a correlation, a strong correlation between hostility and mental illness as well. Um, and I think that, you know, your point of, 
bystander allyship as well taken, Dr. Moran, because I think, yes, there should be implicit bias training and, you know, training against recognizing microaggressions. But at some point, we have to go beyond recognition and into implementation and showing by doing what can you do when you see things like that? How do you speak up? How do you empower the person who is being victimized? How do you intervene? What is the way to intervene? Not just societal um, you know, or institutional, but at the level of a colleague or a peer or a junior, um, you know, how, how do you prevent that? And then how do you report that? Um, and in, this, in the sense that you, create, you, you don't create horrible downstream effects, but you sort of create a way to educate and improve and hopefully make a cultural change. Yeah. Um, and it'll go beyond, you know, our four hour training of implicit bias into actually. No, I, think, I think, you know, and everyone is like, I can't take all these trainings. I can't believe, you know, I feel like I have parents in, at work teaching me how to be and how to act, but it's unfortunate that it's the way it has to go, but I think it is. So let me just uh, thank you for your time and to let all of our listeners know that we're not going to stop here with this one recording. We're going to have a lot of discussion around this because this, I think, is leading to a lot of poor physician well-being. It's really affecting the, the well-being of our healthcare workers uh, on every front. And a hostile work environment, especially in a field like cardiology, should be not tolerated uh, and we need to we need to kind of keep talking about it. Thank you for bringing it out. Thank you for doing a survey so we can actually see the data that this isn't just hearsay. It's actual. It's really happening. And um, just thank you for all the work that you're doing on every front, especially on cardioobstetrics for our women. And we'll have to have you back on the show when we do a whole series on women's cardiovascular care. And we definitely want you back. Thank you so much for, uh, for being with us. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Thank you all for listening and uh, can't wait to, uh, to continue this conversation and have some solutions up front. This is uh, Roxana Moran from Rox Heart Video. Mm -hmm.